Hello and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show where we discuss uh, news, industry stuff, not gaming, that's later in the week. This is uh, all the big fun news show. Hello everybody, I'm your host Kyle and uh, let's see who else we have here in the Upload Virtual Studios with me today. Hello everyone, Ian Hamilton here, Managing Editor. Thank you for joining us. I'm David Heaney. I write about VR technology, and it's good to see everyone in the chat today. All right. Okay, guys, do we uh, want to just jump right in? All right, let's do it. Our first headline for the day. Oculus Quest version 31 adds experimental pass-through API. AR in VR? Yes, that's right. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is teasing a new experimental API on the way for Oculus Quest developers in version 31. So this is something that we have been just anxiously waiting for. Many of us think that it's it's the next step for Facebook to allow the pass-through, the black and white pass-through to have the ability to have content, not just see what's in your room. Look out for the dog or the cat while you're doing whatever experience you're doing. I don't know. There's a lot to decompress here. We've got a black and white pass through, and we're going to allow stuff to show up inside of it. Where, where do we begin with this, Ian? Oh, good question. Yeah, there's a lot of ground to cover here where this kind of – the way I framed it on Facebook and a lot of people really res- – or uh, not on Facebook, on Twitter – uh, a lot of people really responded to it and really understood the kind of broader thing here is Facebook now, uh, as soon as this hits developers, toolboxes, it's a it turns Quest 2 into a $299 AR development kit. So you can get started with creating AR apps and pretty, it sounds like pretty advanced AR apps when you consider the existing VR uh underpinnings of what's being built on here for only $299. And that's pretty extreme when you put it in the grand scheme of things. So you get a VR device with VR games, and then you can also get started building for the AR glasses that we're likely to have in maybe five years time and really start exploring what's possible. I think that's kind of Facebook's overall plan here is there's developers out there, young people, old people like everyone in between, but new to VR development people who can go and also get started as a new to AR development person with the same device uh, at their fingertips and explore really what this new frontier is going to be about when we eventually have AR glasses that we can walk around with in the real world and interact with much more varied environments than just our living room or our bedroom based on where we, we actually set up the quest. So very interesting things here, very early days. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, these initial tools that Facebook has rolled out with this initial pass-through feature aren't super complex, but it's the beginning. And of course, yeah, we've got a black and white see-through default view of the world around us with these cameras. But there's there's been some experiments. I'm curious if Heaney has more detail on how those kind of were produced. But artificially adding color back into the past through cameras isn't isn't unheard of it, it's possible i think Keeney, do you have more to say on that yeah so this is an experimental api right now we have virtual desktop developer guy godin in our comments i noticed the camera isn't changing to me for some reason let me do that manually 
You don't exist today, Heaney. That's what it is. Yeah, for some reason, <laughs> hopefully people can actually hear me. That's there you go. There. That's, that is strange. So you have a virtual desktop developer, Guy Godin, in our comments, noting that this is an experimental API. It's not going to be allowed for developers to actually update their apps with this content on the store. And by the signs of it, that will be for App Lab as well. It is OpenXR only, as Facebook has now shifted to that, and we'll talk about that later. So that means that some developers that aren't able to move to OpenXR immediately, or even in the near term, won't be able to play with this just yet. But the capability is here, and Facebook's noted that the three kind of features they have is that you can composite different layers in this. So you could use the hand mesh of the hand tracking and put it on top of the AR at the right time. If you actually look in this video, when they press the light switch, you'll notice the hand is on top of the light switch. The other option is you can apply styling. So you can apply colors to the, to the edges, as you can see here, or you can actually posturize the scene itself. That was what Ian was referring to there, where you can simplify the tones down to different colors, almost like a heat map. And here's the most interesting one. We haven't seen any footage or images of this as the SDK is not out for a few days, but custom geometry, and I'll read the exact documentation here. You can render pass-through images to a custom mesh instead of relying on the default style mesh. For example, to protect, project pass-through on a planar surface. Now, if I understand that, that should mean that developers are able to have a small segment in front of you and pass-through while the rest of it's in virtual reality, which could be very useful for productivity apps and, and things like virtual desktop in, in the future once GUI is able to move to open XR. Virtual desktop is a native app written directly against Oculus's API, so that, that's a significant amount of work on Guy's hands, but we'll talk about that later when we talk about OpenXR. I think this is as great as, a, as you say, developer kit for a mixed reality experience. I, I think this is going to be more for mixed reality content than AR glasses. Obviously, it's semantics of what you call AR and what you call MR, but the kind of content that you'll engage with in your home, in your living room around you. The biggest missing feature here, though, is that you don't get as far as I'm aware, as, as far as any of the documentation has said so far, a depth map. So developers can't, while they can use your hand to composite things behind your hand, other objects in your room probably can't be composited yet, at least from what we've read so far. So if something's behind your couch, it will look like it's in front of your couch. And this is something that has only just recently been added, even the top platforms like AR Core and Magic Leap, etc. So some people made the analogy that occlusion depth in AR is as significant as positional tracking in VR. So VR headsets used to just be rotational tracking, and then you get that kind of position tracking that really opens up the immersion. And so this is a very primitive form of AR. This is a very primitive form of mixed reality. But at 299, it is the cheapest head-mounted AR development kit that someone can fully run on. So I have a few comments here. Number one, we don't have depth because there's a sensor, hardware sensor missing from these headsets. Is that correct, Heaney? It's, it's a physical sensor that needs to be added to the headset. There are two ways to do depth. You can have a physical depth sensor, yes, like a, a LiDAR or a time of flight depth sensor. But a lot of the modern platforms that do it just use deep learning to segment the depth. I notice Anakazi says it already uses SLAM, so it, this was already there. If you're referring to depth, SLAM doesn't actually, you don't actually need a depth map 
to do simultaneous location and mapping. All it does on a quest, for example, is pick out some key features in the room, but it doesn't actually have to understand the geometry as long as it can compare what happens when the gyroscope rotates and the accelerometer moves in one direction versus what happened to the little landmark in the corner of your room and all the little ones it's tracking. Yes, we could see depth come in the future, but it's questionable whether there's actually enough computing power left over on the Snapdragon XR2 chip when they have all this happening at once because you have to remember they're actually running a complex computer vision algorithm. They're not showing you the cameras raw because that would look completely the wrong scale and your eyes would hurt because the cameras are on the, the corners of the headset. They're already fusing together two of the cameras and trying to come up with a depth correct view without actually having a full depth map. So I, I it may, it's possible that we could see depth come to developers later in Quest 2, but it may be that we need to see future hardware. And that's kind of where I was leading to is that would be a perfect thing to add for a device upcoming, maybe something like a Quest Pro, if that ever is a real thing, they could add extra sensors. Heck, they could even actually add an extra processor or a GPU or something that would handle all of the AR stuff. So maybe that's the selling point to the upgrade to a Pro. The other thing I wanted to bring up that I find interesting is that we have Android and Apple have AR uh, kit and AR core. I probably had those switched. But is this ARQLIS? Is that what this is? ARQLIS? Could they call it that? Would, would, would that be an acceptable? Ian looks like he wants to make a comment, but I had to process that dad joke for a minute. I was that was hurtful. I I need that eject button. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, no. Uh, he alluded to it. There's the definition debate that we don't really want to revisit again of what exactly is mixed reality versus what is AR. I think the thing that Heaney really pointed out to me quite a while back here is that there is a type of content that makes use of your physical environment as a a playground for virtual content. We see this a little bit with something like Magic Leap. You can do it on HoloLens. But both of those are extremely restricted by the field of view. So you can only you have to give the hardware itself some forgiveness in how small your view is of your environment where you can actually see this content. And there's, of course, issues with transparency with those AR-based headsets where you can see through the virtual content depending on how bright the background is. So it's very frustrating on AR devices. Whereas on a VR-based device and you're looking around at your physical environment surrounding you, you could see really solid virtual objects that cast shadows onto the environment around it and really create a really cool uh, meshing of both the virtual and the physical content around you. Zombies hiding behind your couch, I think, is one of the examples that Facebook gives in some of its documentation. That's the type of thing we might actually be able to see demonstrated with uh, this SDK over time. And I'm really anxious to see how that works on a Quest or a Quest Pro eventually if we get down there. Yeah, that is the kind of thing we could see from a a Quest Pro or some sort of future hardware that does give that depth mapping. I noticed that camera still isn't switching for me, so I'm I'm just going (laughs) to use continue on. All right. Yeah. You know. I, I want to talk about the tweet that I put up there from Guy Godin since for our podcast listeners at home. So Guy wrote on Twitter, the pass-through API is OpenXR only, sigh, still have months of work to port virtual desktop from the Oculus VR API to OpenXR. 
a pass-through environment will not be possible until then. He's in our comments, of course, as well, uh, sort of echoing those thoughts. I also wanted to throw up this uh, funny image that uh, I think Joseph Simpson wrote on Twitter as a reply to me. And it's pretty pretty appropriate, I think, meme usage for sort of the way things oh, absolutely. are, are going to yeah. be right now. The meme is the grandma meme being walked around in her walker. And uh, grandma saying, I remember when AR was black and white and the helper saying, sure, grandma, let's get you to bed. <laughs> and that's exactly how oh, it feels at point in time. I love that artful. You're trying to play on the word as well. So ocular, that's good. That's good. But it would be a Facebook AR. So would it be like Farsbook? I didn't oh, say man. that. I didn't oh, say man. that. I didn't can we say clip that. that out later. Yeah, we probably can. I'm just being funny. Don't don't <laughs> delete my account, Mark, please. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of black and white. I was talking to my children about it because my children do a lot of VR, and uh, they're like, "Oh, it's black and white. When are we going to get color pass through?" And I started talking about back in my day, TV was black and white, making fun of my dad, obviously, because I, I actually I do remember having a small 13 inch black and white TV when I was a very a wee lad. But yeah, black and white turns into color, turns into whatever. Uh, Heaney, you're back. How's your camera switching? Let's test it. Let's test. Hopefully it works. No, nope. Still not for some reason. I mean, you're still on the screen. <laughs> but yeah, that is strange. Um, hopefully at least the audience can hear me properly so I can just keep talking when I need to. So when you hear the voice of God, it's coming from off camera, and he's, he's sitting over there to my left, yeah. So where do we go from here? Do we want to talk further about the experimental pass-through API? I think it feeds perfectly into our second subject, so let's get into that. So the second news piece for us today, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook will be a metaverse company. Mark Zuckerberg said Facebook will be a metaverse company in five years and VR headsets will be suitable for all day work by the end of this decade. Now, if I was Neil Stevenson, I would love hearing that because of the, the creation of that term for the world from the book Snow Crash. What is a metaverse company even? I don't mm. even know what that means. Yeah, no, I, it's... Heaney probably has a lot of thoughts to share on this, so you'll have to stare at me probably while he explains all the quotes. He did a really great job. Heaney, if you could drop your link into the comments uh, at some point so that people can actually read these quotes from Mark Zuckerberg where he's explaining sort of the overall thing. There's a lot of people in our comments asking if we're like a, a pro-Facebook company or a pro-Facebook newsfeed. No, we're not. We're, we try our very best to be neutral about this technology even itself, because mm. I think VR and AR are going to have dramatic ramifications on the way people interact way into the future. And we need to neutrally comment on all those changes as they come to pass as much as humanly possible. But the, we, Facebook is doing so much in the space right now that they're, they don't have new hardware this year to announce. There might be a 128 gigabyte version of the Quest 2 to offset the original 299 version. They might upgrade the storage there. But they've come out and actually said no new hardware this year. Uh, Quest Pro is in the offing. But point is, instead of hardware, they're actually releasing almost constant monthly software updates. That it's, it's even more quicker than that, the updates, because what they're doing is they're releasing monthly software updates that add new features, but they're also gating some of those features behind server-side updates. 
and then releasing those when they're ready. So it actually almost seems updates every few weeks because they'll release new features in one big update that will include introduce some new things. And then they'll uh, release a few of those over uh, a few weeks later. And so it's just constant news that's being produced by Facebook right now. And then Sony is really trying to get ducks in a row for its next version of the PlayStation VR headset. And Valve is focusing on Steam Deck at the moment. But uh, so that's why we constantly have so much stuff coming out about uh, Facebook right now. And I I really wanted to mention that. And the reason I, I am saying all that is when Zuckerberg speaks... And Heaney has pointed this out multiple times. It's like the definitive word of what Facebook is planning to do. You really have to listen intently to the words he's using and what he's saying to really understand the overall direction. Because unlike other companies that kind of answer to quarterly earnings reports and could get voted out by their board if they bet too much money on something that's going to their near-term growth, Zuckerberg has immense control over what Facebook does and can take very long-term bets. And so it's very important that we listen to what he says and get that long-term vision out of him. And Heaney has gone through the effort of transcribing some of the things he said in a recent interview with The Verge, uh, or not The Verge, uh, with an independent podcast. And do you want to talk about some of those quotes there, Heaney? Yeah, so this interview was from The Verge cast, but it was done by a friend of The Verge, who Casey Newton, who used to work at The Verge, and he now has his own kind of outlet platformer. And yeah, you know, as you say, we're in this era of VR right now where because Sony's at the end of their release cycle, they're at the very end of PSVR and moving in to PSVR 2, I'm sure next year we'll hear a lot more about that. We're at the point where we haven't seen any major standalone consumer plays from other companies yet. In 2021, it is going to be one of those years where a lot of the VR news is Facebook. But over time, as the market kind of expands and there's more competition, we will hopefully get to report on a lot more developments from other companies as well. So Mark Zuckerberg was interviewed about this idea that he thinks Facebook will transition from a social media company to a metaverse company. Now, Obviously, the term metaverse has a different meaning depending on who you ask, and each of them are reasonable interpretations. <coughs> oh, thank goodness the camera's working again. So <laughs> some people would say that platforms like VRChat and Rec Room and Facebook's Horizon are metaverses, plural, and this idea of as long as it's a massively multiplayer online world where you can go and do all these different experiences and people can build their own experiences within it, that's a metaverse. Whereas others would say the metaverse is going to be like the internet and it would be as silly to say, how is your internet, as, sorry, how is your metaverse as to say, how is your internet? And the metaverse should be an open protocol where you can connect to different content without anyone specifically controlling the system or the developer tools behind it, the World Wide Web today that's on, on top of the internet. So Zuckerberg's response Firstly, to what is the metaverse is to say he thinks it's the successor to the mobile internet. And he starts immediately by saying it's not something that any one company is going to build. But I think a big part of our next chapter is going to hopefully be contributing to building that in a partnership with a lot of other companies and creators and developers. You can think of the metaverse as an embodied internet where instead of just viewing content, you're in it and you feel present with the other people. So it's hard to tell to what extent Zuckerberg is 
talking about a specific project, be that Horizon or some kind of open successor to Horizon that he's thinking about, or whether he's just talking about the idea of online multiplayer VR or kind of 3D worlds in general. He does note that this is something that won't just happen in virtual reality headsets, that while they'll be the most immersive way to access the metaverse, this will also be available on consoles, on PCs, on mobile devices. And so here's the direct quote of where he sets out the company vision in this sense. He says, I think all of these different initiatives that we have at Facebook today will basically ladder up together to contribute to helping build this metaverse vision. And my hope, if we do well, I think over the next five years or so, in this next chapter of our company, I think we will effectively transition from people seeing us as a social media company to being a metaverse company. So this is something where Zuckerberg thinks that the efforts that they're making in VR can be transferred to a general kind of 3D platform that will exist among other devices as well. It sounds like he's wanting to chase the success of online services like Fortnite. It's unclear whether Facebook is going to be able to do this. Facebook hasn't really ever developed a multiplayer game before or anything three-dimensional that's outside of VR. So I, I don't know how he's hoping to enter this market, but we have seen Facebook enter these markets before and sometimes completely fail. And other times they're somewhat successful. Sometimes they buy up companies in this space. <coughs> So, again, on specifically Horizon, which is Facebook's upcoming social platform that's similar to Rec Room and VRChat, Zuckerberg says Horizon will have concerts, AAA games, and that Facebook already does their VR, does meetings in that virtual reality space. Here's the interesting idea. He says, even in reference to these AAA games, you can have your avatar and go across these different experiences. So it does sound like this is a specific product vision, but then at other times during this interview, it sounds like he's talking about VR in general. So I wonder how much of the metaverse is a marketing term in the same sense as the mobile web or any of the other recent marketing terms he's been using and how, how much of this is a real kind of concrete product vision. I've been thinking about that quite a bit because the immediate response from some people is that we have a metaverse already. We have... VR chat, we have rec room, we have all these things. And now Facebook is trying to say that they're going to be a metaverse company. Does it mean a metaverse company that they will encompass all of these other ones? Or is it going to be all of these other companies, rec room, VR chat, and things like that? I guess I could say them metaverses Facebook. Is that... Oh. Yeah, so the, th the thing I want to bring up is Netflix and stealing Mike Verdu from Facebook. So Mike Verdu was one of the executives who was in charge of more or less doling out money to developers and approving what apps get on to the Oculus Quest in recent years. And Netflix basically hired that, that executive away. And we've you you compare that news with the obvious uh, announcement that Facebook or uh, that Netflix is getting very seriously into maybe streaming video games directly to home over the same over the Netflix service, and you can play games straight through Netflix. I think there's a recognition that you're competing for eyeballs and the amount of time that people spend with your content, and that's very broad. Then that's broader than 
these specific channels of gaming, passively watching movies, passively watching TV, reading, you're competing in a broader way for eyeballs and the amount of time that they're actually spending with your service more generally. That's what I think this marketing term of metaverse is going to mean. Uh, That's what Epic's evolution is into this broader uh, ecosystem. Epic Games, the maker of Unreal Engine, just bought Sketchfab, which is another big piece of news that happened this week. And so they're an online repository now for 3D content and 3D items that you can pull into various channels and and various devices. That's what Sketchfab is. And Google just abandoned its uh, poly effort. So it had this online repository for 3D content, and that's gone now from Google as uh, Google kills its various services and kind of flails around in different directions. What we're seeing is these companies like Netflix and Facebook and Epic beef up their their teams beef up what companies they have in their umbrella of services and try to build this kind of like uh, 3D, as Heaney put it, version of the internet. I saw a tweet today that kind of underscored information superhighway as the equivalent of metaverse right now. It's this term that's dead, but back in the 90s, if you're around back in the 90s, information superhighway was this term that became very popular for a while there as at describing what the internet was. And it was a very apt description back in the day for what you could actually do with the internet that you couldn't with a physical library. And Metaverse is this way of saying, here's this 3D-enabled version of our services, and there's this sort of effort across every major technology company to enable a 3D version of their 2D services. It's finally time to jump off the 2D screen for real, and that's going to be in a wide assortment of ways over the next few years. Yeah, I think that idea, thinking back to the 90s, before we had the World Wide Web become a popular thing that people used, there were actually proprietary platforms like AOL, etc., that people spent most of their time on before the open internet. I'll read out a part of this interview that was near the end where you do get this idea that Zuckerberg's talking about two things and going between them. Horizon is this short-term proprietary thing, and then this almost vision that hasn't been concrete in any sense about what he would see that evolving into in an open system. So he says, I think a good vision for the metaverse is not one that a specific company builds, but it has to have the sense of interoperability and portability. You have your avatar and your digital goods, and you want to be able to teleport anywhere. You don't just want to be stuck within one company's stuff. So he says, I do think that just like you have the W3C that helps set standards around a bunch of the important internet protocols and how people build the web, I think there will need to be some of that here too for defining how developers and creators can build experiences that allow someone to take their avatar between them and teleport seamlessly. And here's where he goes into kind of the most concrete detail. He says, but even within that, there's a lot of questions about how that works. Is it interoperable because it's decentralized in the same way that a bunch of crypto work is being designed now, so there's no central dependency? It's not just interoperable, but there's no centralized control point. Or is it interoperable because there are some bodies that set standards and enable these experiences to work together? So it sounds like there is really no concrete idea yet. And we may still be, well, soon we'll be talking about how 
the APIs that VR apps are built with are going to become an open standard. It does sound like we're quite a long way away from seeing something like the World Wide Web, where there is a three-dimensional kind of alternate universe that is standardized with no specific company owning it. In the nearer term, Facebook is likely, when they call themselves a metaverse company, referring to their own proprietary horizon system, which will either compete well against VR chat or rec room or fizzle out as they overtake what it's trying to be. We, we don't know yet, but it'll be interesting to see how horizon success affects Facebook's incentive to build towards these open systems that Zuckerberg kind of references, but doesn't really go into good detail about. I would love to get into the open XR discussion now, because it does fold in with this so much. And I think we're going to come back from the end of the open XR discussion back into the social metaverse discussion, because I was talking about it with Heaney earlier, and I think it, it fits in really well. It, it does. It, bl- <clears throat> it blends those two pieces of news really do talk to each other, because it's all about standards. So let's get into this third and final headline here. Oh, the, Facebook. We should, the what? last thing we should mention, we forgot to mention the other part of that headline, sorry, his quote about by the end of the decade. Mm, so yeah, the sorry. other thing, so the one part of this interview that was completely separate to the rest was Zuckerberg only actually responded to this because Casey Newton, the interviewer, made an offhand comment about, oh, our VR headsets aren't really suitable for work. Um, so let me bring up this quote here. Yeah, so Zuckerberg said in response, he got it in and gave his input on this between questions. He said, There's clearly an evolution or multiple in the technology that we're going to need to be possible to work in VR that will need to happen before this is the main way people work. But I think we're going to be there by the end of this decade. Today, the VR headsets, they're still a bit clunky. They may need to be a bit heavier than you ideally would like them to be. There need to be advances in being able to express yourself and having high resolution, being able to read text better, a number of things like that but we're getting there and each version is better and better. So there we have from Mark Zuckerberg, which as, as Ian mentioned, is very involved with Facebook's VR projects and has final say, claiming that he thinks VR headsets will be ready for all day work by 2030. And I think that's an easy prediction to make because it's so far out. Anything more <laughs> than five years out, it's you know anybody's guess. <laughs> I was right. Oh, I was wrong. Oh, nobody cares. Yeah, but no, it is very possible that within, I think that's a logical prediction to make. That. I just remember that kind of ties in well with a few months ago, Zuckerberg said in a completely non-VR context to a business interview audience on some, it was a virtual thing, obviously, with the pandemic, but he said that he thinks and he aims for 50% of Facebook's workforce to be permanently working from home by the end of the decade. And I think he even said their ideal goal is to have everyone who doesn't work on hardware to be working from home by then through virtual reality technology. So it'll be interesting to see whether because he's building this for his own company's goal, whether there's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and a better incentive to get that to work. They're very curious to see what happens. But as you say, so far out that it's really hard to take any kind of seriousness from it. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to add there just at the end there before we move on to the OpenXR is that uh, Facebook, just a reminder there, is also offering every employee a more or less a free Quest 2 at this point in time. And it's not a requirement, of course, but you can get $299 back from your employer at Facebook. And they have 60,000 plus employees and so that's a lot of dog fooding that Facebook is doing mm. with their employees right now to get them ready for that future. 
Yeah, just as a little side story, had a Facebook friend, I'll just say that, who recently posted that they applied for a job at a major telecom company. And the first question they were asked was, are you a customer <laughs> of our telecom? I'm like, if you're going to go work there, you might want to actually use that service. So I can totally understand the justification for making that available to your employees. Okay, then let's get into this because I think this is a pretty big deal and it will tie in perfectly to the metaverse conversation. Facebook de deprecates proprietary Oculus APIs for OpenXR Focus. Facebook will de deprecate its proprietary Oculus API in favor of an industry standard OpenXR. Now, how industry standard is OpenXR at this point for those people who might not be up to speed? Yeah, so it comes from the Kronos Group, which has got a history of developing some of these APIs and, and cross-platform standards. It, this has support from Unity, Unreal, so that's Unreal being Epic Games, but then of course Microsoft, Valve, Facebook, and I think Sony is there, but they're fairly quiet in what they're doing. This move from Facebook follows uh, some similar language we've heard from Valve that happened last year. And more or less, the hint here uh, from both those companies is that you should, if you're developing a game engine or you're developing a game, you should move over to supporting OpenXR and its like lowest common denominator way of interacting with hardware and software layers and then or an input layers. And then they're both Facebook and Valve have are on the record of saying basically new features on their platforms are going to come as extensions to OpenXR. So this pass-through API that we talked about earlier in the show is connected to OpenXR. And I think when you step back and look at what Valve has done with uh, SteamVR and its platform, we very much could, there, there was, I remember back at the launch of the Valve Index, they showed some, a lot of pass-through things that could be done that are very similar to what can be done with the, uh, the, the pass-through API out of uh, Facebook. Yet those kind of were delayed and took a very long time to get out there. And I think some of them are there, but they're pretty buried. But the overall, what I'm getting at here is that I think we're going to see Steam VR itself evolve and upgrade quite a bit in the next year as they get some of their open, their, some of their own internal things ported over to OpenXR. Of course, the, for example, the setup system for a room with Steam VR is still pretty ancient, in my opinion. Do you think that's a, a good way of putting it, Heaney, for setting up a room on, on SteamVR versus what you can do on Oculus Quest? Yeah, it's quite inconvenient to not be able to do it in the headset. I, th I think we hopefully can see that being one of the next moves for SteamVR, especially for the Index, where you have those high-quality color cameras, and they've put the effort into getting perspective correct to pass through recently. So... It is inconvenient that you have to do all the setup outside VR and you can't tweak that within. Yeah, so I think that's a good example there of what we could see done on the OpenXR side of things as these companies build up their basic stuff. So like the fact that Facebook is supporting uh, its pass-through API on this OpenXR side of things, we've got GigaGodin at Virtual Desktop in our comments, and I showed the tweet earlier in our show, 
where he is very much motivated in a very obvious way to get seriously, you know, get serious about the porting work over to OpenXR as soon as possible, because it's that's what this is doing. This is motivating developers to support the ecosystem, because you're going to want to be able to access some of those advanced features down the line that two of the biggest players here are saying that they're going to support. And then, of course, you can see Sony up in this screenshot that Heaney has brought of companies that are supporting. Is this Kronos or is this OpenXR? This is for OpenXR. All of these companies are specifically supporting OpenXR. It really is the industry standard here. There's no big player that I can think of or even small player that I can think of that is not joining it. This is going to be the API for virtual reality and likely augmented reality as well. Though, obviously, uh, I know what you're about to say, Apple. Yeah, you do. Uh, where's Apple? Yeah, yeah so I think that could Sorry, actually be a big reason for why Facebook is actually so in on OpenXR. The news today here, for anyone that's not familiar, is that from August 2022, the native Oculus APIs will become unsupported. Facebook is now saying that they want all developers to move on to OpenXR. I think it gives them this kind of legitimacy versus Apple, because what we, what we have seen throughout the kind of tech history of Apple launching products and spaces is that generally there is an API that everyone else uses, and then Apple has its own proprietary one. And the reason you don't see so much pushback from developers in that is because Apple's tools and their SDKs are usually very well made and compared to the open ones a joy to work with in, in most of Apple's spaces. Although I'm sure some people disagree, but at least my, that's my experience in, in comparison. But it is interesting that we could have an entire industry with OpenXR and then Apple pushing its own vision of VR. And mm. what we've heard so far is that Apple may have even its own kind of input device. So we could see that not only from a development perspective, but even from how they approach the idea of spatial computing and head-mounted displays, they may have just gone into a completely different direction than the standardization we've seen from the other players in the industry. So to, to repurpose my joke from earlier, which, by the way, Artful made a comment. You got to love Kyle's hand gestures. Yet you have this type of tracking. You should use it. That's Yeah. Just to touch on a comment here, Anthony Hergo, you're saying OpenXR doesn't work natively on the Quest 2 yet. It does, and it has for, for quite a while. And in fact, you can actually, since months ago, submit OpenXR apps to the Quest Store, and they be, it can be accepted. I'm not sure what engine you're using. Maybe it's the engine itself that, that isn't supporting OpenXR, though it should on most major engines. I also saw a comment oh. earlier at the start, someone saying, so if Facebook embraces OpenXR, does that mean that that the Weft S will work on Linux. So to be clear, OpenXR is something on the developer side. This means that the real advantage to OpenXR is to developers. Consumers obviously have these second-order benefits, but the idea is that instead of each developer having to support each new VR platform by learning a new SDK or importing that to the novel SDK for each VR platform, which is a nightmare and costs developer money and time, they just write for OpenXR, and the only limitation then is the operating system. So if someone makes an, a Quest 2 Android APK that runs on OpenXR, in theory, they should be able to run that exact same app with no changes on a Vive Focus 3 or a Pico or any of the other future headsets, as long as they have the same input capabilities. So if you, if you develop something for controllers, 
you'll need something that uses controllers. If you've developed something for hand tracking, you'll need something with the hand tracking extension for OpenXR. The hand tracking... Sorry, the hand tracking extension for OpenXR. Maybe Heaney, maybe you know more about this than I. But I think this is, there was a question up above that I want to uh, mention from Vexner, and and Vexner was asking, are there any companies that are working to integrate OpenXR for standardizing peripheral devices like hand track gloves or face tracking tech to make it an open standard for the future? As I recall, uh, hand tracking was like the kind of where they drew the line on the end of scope for the core OpenXR spectrum. Uh, for the for, for the OpenXR uh, standard, and beyond, that's where the extensions start for OpenXR. Is that a good way of putting it, Heaney? Yeah. So for those kind of peripherals, you would need an extension to OpenXR. But as long as other companies were using the same extension, that would still have the same level of portability. So for those kind mm. of products that are suggesting, just to reply to Anthony again, uh, Unity does provide. You can build natively to to the quest headset you don't need link if you go up to if you're using the oculus utilities just go up to oculus at the top and click uh, switch to open xr mode and it, it should work i've tried it and it works we will be moving this app to open xr as soon as i i was just going to ask that i was just going to ask that because I, i'm i'm seeing a lot of chatter lately about what about the old games developers need to switch over their stuff and maybe they're not as active maybe that was a set it and forget it type of title i don't know the whole idea of open xr it's one api to rule them all is a great idea and with all of these names up here this kind of feels like it is going to be the standard and that's fantastic are, are people resistant to the open XR, are, are people whining well, about this? The biggest example I can think of is H3VR, the, the hand, hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades. The developer there, Anton Hand, is on the record out on Twitter. You can go find the, the comments talking about the, the pressure that this puts on developers who have apps that were made in older versions of Unity. And they're now pressured to upgrade because the issue here is with a game like that game is only available on the Steam marketplace. You can't go and get H3VR on the Oculus store. And what Oculus has said is for the next year and then I think thereafter even, the, they're only allow apps that are already on their platform. They're only going to like support and make sure that those things run on their devices. So there's apps that go from Steam to Oculus. You can go and play a Rift game. You you can go on an Oculus Rift and play a game from Steam. And it's going over this pipe that's been created between Valve and Oculus. And there's an open question here of who is going to maintain into going into the future those games going over that bridge, working correctly, uh, especially if they haven't upgraded to OpenXR from the earlier API. And is it is Valve going to have a few people working on this to make sure those games aren't affected by bugs that might be present in how open how this bridge handles older games? Or is Facebook going to do it? And Facebook has, of course, uh, on the record as saying 10,000 people working in VR and AR at the company. And they are in their documentation here saying, we're basically not going to touch a lot of this stuff. We're done. We're moved on to 
standalone quest and supporting those developers and they can't find the the inference there the, the implication there is that facebook can't afford to put people on making sure those legacy things will work for those older developers who are unwilling or unable financially to go and upgrade to the latest version of unity and integrate the OpenXR APIs to to get their product up and running for the future. So there is an open question here of whether these games in the first five years of PC VR are still going to work on your device in the year 2025. I'm not sure I quite get that concern for Steam VR because if something is a Steam VR app right now, how it works when you're using a Rift is Steam VR translates those Steam VR calls into Oculus API calls. But sometime in the next month, Given this deprecation, sorry, the next few months, we should probably hear Valve talk about switching from Oculus API to OpenXR. So as long as Valve is maintaining Steam VRs, as in the OpenVR API, which is Steam VR's API, that should still run fine. Because as long as anything that runs on Steam VR will be going to OpenXR anyway, if Steam VR is going to be moving into that, because we've already heard Valve say they are fully in on OpenXR. Any new features in SteamVR will be OpenXR. So if that runtime is translating to OpenXR, there shouldn't be an issue with those old SteamVR games as long as Valve maintains them. As for old Oculus API games, something like Stormlands or Asgard's Wrath, we don't know, but Facebook has said existing applications will continue to function on Oculus devices. On their devices, yeah. So Revive, yeah, yeah. Right? So, just, what happens to Revive? That's a good question. So it would go from Oculus API to, as long as Revive is then translating to OpenXR, I do believe CrossVR, who maintains Revive, is planning to convert to OpenXR over time as it's the standard. I really, I have to say, I don't agree or understand the point here of some of the people detracting. I think this is, you know, OpenXR is the right move. These companies should be encouraging developers to get over because the last time, while there is going to be this kind of messy transition period, and it is a lot of work for developers, I'm, I'm not taking away the fact that, especially if you're a native developer, this is a lot of work. But hopefully, with all these companies on board, this is going to be the one painful transition period for developers. And then after that, all the pain goes away and everyone's using the same standard, perhaps except for Apple. So it's it's a little mm. bit of short-term inconvenience for a very healthy long-term progression of the industry. But see, we, just by definition of our industry, are innovators. And we know that innovation can be messy sometimes, but you need to get through the muck and get through that mess to get to the other side where things are better. And yes, there are going to be people who are going to complain. I don't want it to change. I want it to stay the same the way it used to be. I remember back in the day, this becomes a Pepperidge Farm meme of, of people not wanting to move forward into something better because of the messy transition. Yeah, so I agree with you, Heaney. I think that we are at a point now, right now, where we are ready to move forward with this open standard. And if people are going to complain about it, it it's just an irritant. Move past it. I, I don't know. I, I read about that. 
What is so this wall of, of text? Yeah, speaking of Pepperidge Farm, here's a quote from Palmer Lucky, the original Oculus Rift creator, talking about this transition and this moment in time for Facebook and OpenXR. So he's on the record as saying, quote, this is the right move at the right time. One standard to rule them all didn't make sense in the earlier days of VR, given the fundamentally different approaches of different companies on the hardware and software side, to say nothing of the business component. There was a time when SteamVR slash OpenVR, which was not actually open, had huge issues and many companies were philosophically opposed to things like reprojection. The pain developers went through supporting various APIs was critical in building industry consensus on what works best and why. HTC is probably going to benefit the most from widespread OpenXR adoption on the corporate side in the near future, but there are some upcoming entrants who also stand to gain a lot. Industry-wide standardizing to the lowest common denominator still has some downsides, but they're almost certainly outweighed by the benefits to developers and gamers. Uh, Very uh, meaty quote there from Paul Malucky, the original Oculus Rift creator, talking about this moment in time. Uh, I want to mention the Apple component that you both alluded to or talked about. It's going to be very interesting to see where Apple lands uh, with its headset. It's obviously an open question whether Apple actually is going to go forward and ship that thing, whether they're going to get it in the hands of developers and in what way and how far they're actually going to take it. Because infamously, Facebook or uh, Apple cancels its products at the last minute in very, very frequently. So it's very possible that that thing never comes out. And it's been an, an ongoing joke for a decade here that Apple won't actually get out there, that Apple was going to right around the corner, release something for AR or VR. I think precisely what you both have alluded to, though, here is that it's going to boil down to input. I would be surprised at this point if Apple didn't support OpenXR as a base tool set for its... I would be surprised if they didn't support OpenXR. But where it could differ is with what input system they have arrived at for for that device. They, They could really differentiate and try to more or less get developers to develop for only Apple devices by making their input system different enough and impressive enough that you want to develop for Apple devices first. That could be. I'm excited route. to hear if Heaney has to say has the same thing to say that I do. Go ahead, Heaney. I'll let you go first. I'll tell you. The, I'm just going to say the reason I don't think Apple will support OpenXR. Obviously, I hope Apple will support OpenXR. The reason I think they won't is because they don't support Kronos's other major standard, which is Vulkan, the successor to OpenGL. It is a graphics API in the same way that DirectX is. You can use it on Windows, you can use it on Linux, you can use it on Android, and a bunch of other platforms support Vulkan. It's the industry standard graphics API at this stage. You cannot use it on Mac, you cannot use it on iPhone. I do believe Valve has a translation layer from Vulkan to Metal on Mac, but Apple itself does not. So it would be strange to see Apple support OpenXR and not Vulkan, but I guess it's it's possible that there are different management philosophies between Apple's core graphics team and their VR AR team. But again, given Apple's structure, it seems like it would be an odd discrepancy. All right. In the Palmer quote, and you don't have to put it back up, but he talks about the lowest common denominator. And ultimately, that's what an industry standard sometimes ends up becoming is the lowest common denominator that everybody can build from. Apple has never 
that I have seen ever been a lowest common denominator type of supporter company. They, they don't want that. They want to have high quality stuff immediately on their uh, devices, and they do not want to have their ecosystem flooded with the type of AR stuff that we're going to see first from the OpenXR pass-through APIs that we're going to get from Facebook and all that. We are going to see a whole bunch of 3D scans of me dancing on your desktop, okay? Apple doesn't want that on their headset. They want something tangible, something useful. They don't want to have a whole bunch of me dancing on their desktop. Whoever wants to go ahead and develop that, I'll I'll do a 3D scan and somebody can put that out there. You just talked about my nightmares. That's my living nightmare. My gosh. Okay. Uh, Well, that's what it's going to be called. The app will be called Ian's Nightmare, and it's just a bunch of different (laughs) 3D scans of me doing things. Oh, the Macarena and uh, all that fun stuff. Please don't. Yes. I love Yeah, it's a great point, Kyle. And that's the thing that I think what we've seen from Apple is they develop things very adjacent to the open standard. Like it comports with parts of it. And they take their own things away from it. I remember AirPlay got out there into the market as this very high-quality way of casting things from your iPhone to your TV or your Mm -hmm. iPad to your TV. And it was out on the market just months right before MirageCast or Miracast, something like that, which was the the open standard version of that that's been supported by lots of other devices. I I think the reason I only go back to that or, or bring that up is because today you can very easily go out and buy a TV that has standards based on both built in. So you can go and get a TV and you can easily throw stuff up onto that TV from your iPhone or your Android phone. And it's like to the end user, doesn't really matter that under their core, they they differ. Yeah, I'm not really sure how this will all play out. Ultimately, I would love for an Apple headset to come out and support OpenXR. Maybe this, we always talk about the walled gardens. Apple has always and probably always will be a walled garden. What's going to stop them from doing that any further with any new, especially a new headset, a new medium for them? I I just don't... It, let's put it this way. If they do end up supporting OpenXR, it'll be beautiful for the company. It'll be beautiful for the people. And that's why I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just don't yeah. know. I do think it's possible that Apple intends to bring its AR kit ecosystem and tools across here. And it wants to be able to deliver, as it usually does, its own vision that may go beyond the kind of current Unity Unreal model that a lot of virtual reality is stuck in. If, if you look at Apple's framework that goes just above AR kit, reality kit, I don't see any reason why that couldn't also be the basis for Apple's kind of VR content and even its mixed reality headset content. If you look at the app they have with it, Reality Composer, which you can get for Mac and you can preview things on iPad, I think maybe it even is going to come to iPad. It's almost like Apple is starting to slowly add all the pieces to have their own engine and their own development environment that would entirely bypass Unity and Unreal completely. So I think not only could we see Apple go away from the open standard, we could see them bringing a completely new way to develop these applications where 
that could also lower the barrier to who can be a developer. Because in something like Reality Kit and Reality Composer, Apple, as they famously do, they handle the lighting, they handle the positional sound, they handle the physics. All of that is baked in. There's no taking it out or tweaking it. That is just built into the framework itself. They are letting you instantaneously preview this to their iPad hardware. I imagine when they have a headset, you'll be able to build within it possibly with this or preview directly instantly. So this fact that Apple owns the platform of development all the way from the computer, you can't develop an iOS or iPad app on a P Windows PC. It has to be on a Mac because Apple has this entire kind of streamlined stack. If they bring that idea across to VR, I don't see a place for OpenXR in that unless Apple is going to write its own kind of extensions for the things it wants to do. And it, But it's still... It's hard to see how these two strategies fit in. Hey, as a hacker, you'll be very excited when they don't support OpenXR because you'll be able to go and try to develop uh, reopen XR, revive or whatever, reopen. Somebody is going to find a way to jam that into. You can only imagine that would happen. But then again, I, I don't really know. I do want to make a comment. Sampler 19, annoying Ian, the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 hey, I, let, yeah. let, let's do that. Dancing yeah, just Kyle, on, man. That only would, things that would, that would make Ian mad. Just dancing me, that, just constantly you know, saying baby jokes. of the 2020s. Dancing I saw that, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I want to talk about Traveling Man's comment here. Apple shouldn't be even part of the discussion and they pull up a seat at the table. That's a fair point. I think the, the issue, the, what I've noticed with uh, kind of what Heaney was saying, I, have, I just went from iPhone 11 to iPhone 12 recently, and that was the jump from a non-LiDAR-based iPhone to a LiDAR-based iPhone. And I also had the LiDAR iPad from last year, which I've tried various apps on. And you go into Pokemon Go over the last five years, they've had AR functionality in the Pokemon Go app for mm -hmm. the duration, and it was absolutely terrible. I never want, I turned off that button every single time I went to the Pokemon app. Just awful experience because of the latency of seeing the content reflected actually where it is. And then in, in recent years, recent months, they added this like AR plus mode to the Pokemon Go app. And even the jump I noticed in going from iPhone 11 to iPhone 12 in this Pokemon Go pass-through functionality was pretty dramatic. Like I, iPhone 11, I was still like, I don't want to use the AR feature here because it's just too slow and too laggy to actually be an enjoyable experience. Whereas on uh, an iPhone Pro with the LiDAR on it, it's doing the segmentation really fast of letting putting a pokemon in your environment and occluding it behind content that's closer to your foreground and really making you believe that that pokemon is hiding really in your environment and it's this way that that apple has very clearly experimented right before our eyes in getting ready for this device mhm mm yeah am i the only one that looks at this image and thinks that it uh, looks like it's straight out of a Rick and Morty episode with the way that it's sketched and everything. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that the information had seen the actual photo, but they weren't allowed to show it, I believe, for legal reasons, but don't quote me on that. So this is their So this is an artist's an sketch. <laughs> yeah, it's a drawing of an image. But reply to that same comment about should we talk about Apple before we're at the table. As Ian mentioned earlier, there was an era where 
there were these kind of vague rumors from sketchy people that Apple was going to launch a headset <laughs> next year. And it was always next year and it was always going to blow everything away and had all these kind of ridiculous specs. But we're now at the point where we have multiple reliable outlets, one being the information, the other being Bloomberg, reporting on this specific product. And there are obviously talks from other sources such as developers that have indicated that this is a thing. Obviously, Apple do cancel products all the time. But from what we understand from this, from the reporting we've seen, and we've been tracking every report of this for the past three years or so, maybe just under three years, this is a real product. And Apple's current intention is to launch it next year. We're not just, it's not like they don't have. You were just talking all about the reality kit. It's not like that doesn't exist. If that didn't exist, I'd be more inclined to say, Sorry, hit the mute button. We shouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, wait, did Ian mute me? What the heck? No, I do think. Yeah, Katie, you need to Katie, just be able to mute, a mute Kyle button. Yes. Oh, man. So I'll no longer be joining the show then. Uh, <laughs> no, I, it's a valid point if we didn't have reason to suspect that this would exist. We're constantly talking about things that don't exist yet. That's the whole point of the news is it's not rumors. It's information that we've put together and come to a conclusion. If, if we were talking about rumors, I got all sorts of fun stuff we could talk about, but we're not. We're only talking about things that are tangible proof that this is down the road. Now, Heaney, I think you alluded to it. They could cancel it at any time, or maybe you said it, Ian. They could cancel it at any time. Or they could say, nah, never mind. We don't like this, and we want to piss off a few people that are on Twitter. I, I, oh, it's definitely coming in 2020. One and a half. You mean 2022, 2023. It'll definitely be out by the end of the decade. Apple will be a metaverse company. There's all sorts of potential. The goalpost uh, constantly shifts for those people out there uh, commenting on these things. The the thing we have, yeah, we've got a lot of the pieces there in place that Apple is clearly pretty close. And I think the, 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 to bring this whole thing around to our original discussion what we're seeing on the, the Facebook roadmap here, uh, a Quest Pro with an AR color AR pass through system is a an excellent proposition for an AR development kit. We're we're seeing a two hundred ninety nine dollar Quest Two being a, a path to get you started, but when we get color pass through, then it becomes. You know, what's the old uh, joke? Uh, now I'm cooking with gas. It gets really serious what you can do and how cool the platform gets. And I think Apple is on the record. Tim Cook is on the record with saying that AR is very interesting to him. And so what you've got is Mark Zuckerberg and Tim Cook both saying the long-term goal here of supporting AR uh, out in the real world is very interesting. And I think it's we've we put enough pieces together here that long term, the, the easiest path to get there is a VR based device with really amazing AR features. And I think that's what Quest Pro is going to be and exactly what we should see out of an Apple based. Man, I don't know. We probably shouldn't be talking about Quest, Quest Pro. It doesn't even exist yet. That's literally what, uh, yeah, that's what Andrew Bosworth is on the record saying. Oh, he was saying yeah. about Quest 3. Was Quest 3. He said that about yes, Quest, 3, Quest 3, but he didn't say that about Quest Pro. It's the inference there is that, or the, the implication, the thing he's hinting is that uh, Quest Pro is actually being used by him. Yeah, yeah I, I have a Quest 3. It's right next, uh, it's on the shelf right next to my Rift 2. 
<laughs> All right. Oh, well, I two, think kind two, of two devices. To go back to what you're talking about, Quest 2 is this kind of AR development kit. I think what's interesting is relating this to OpenXR is that it means that these apps will also be able to be used for other mixed reality headsets coming in future. And Palmer Lucky's quote alluded to that. And I think one of those products he may have been alluding to is Lynx, which we discussed, was it last week or the week before? It's a headset that is targeted to come in February 2022. And it is this kind of idea of a Quest 2 style device, but with pass-through, high-resolution color pass-through rather than black and white. So I don't think that video is playing. Oh, it is. It's playing. It's playing. I see yeah, it. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Interesting. I don't. But so this idea, this is a pass-through VR headset. This is a lens in front of an LCD display. You're, this is not a piece of glass looking through to the real world. It is not a HoloLens-style headset. This shows you the kind of high-quality, wide field of view, mixed reality that's possible once color cameras get into the mix. And I think what's great about OpenXR and Facebook embracing it, not, and to be clear, this isn't Facebook going first. Valve has already embraced OpenXR, as has Microsoft. Facebook is kind of late to be the first one to fully heavily embrace it like this. But what that does allow is for other startup hardware companies like Lynx to get that content that's being built without developers having to go through this whole other SDK and Lynx probably will have its own SDK for its advanced features because it's supporting OpenXR is on their roadmap, but it's not something initial. We will probably see HTC take a while to fully support OpenXR because they do have their own Vive Wave SDK. But the future is pretty clear here that the content barrier of having to port from Quest to this other headsets that may emerge in future is getting lower. That buyer is getting less and less significant over time. And that's one of the real key advantages of OpenXR and why, as a consumer, you should feel positive about this, even if there aren't any direct benefits to you in the media term that you may notice. Yeah, I think this too shall pass. I remember the days when all we talked about was resolution and screen door effect and FOV. Well, we still talk about FOV. A lot of people talk about FOV. But there's, it's good to know that we've moved past some of these things. And, and I think the universal open XR API type of thing, that'll just become something that happened and then we'll move past it. Uh, I, I don't think we've talked a lot about it, but I don't really think that there's much to talk about. You either support it or you don't. Developers either go back and they change their software software from along many moons ago to be standard. But that's always the case. Anytime I have a DOS box on one of my computers and I play old games on it, those games won't work without that layer, that DOS box layer. So I don't think that's as big of a conversation, or at least it won't be in a year or two. I think this is just a step. Yeah. Do we have anything else, Ian Heaney, that we want to add to this conversation before we close up shop for the day let me i, I throw it back to heaney and, and ask him about the thing i want to i the thing i think to add here is what heaney and i were debating maybe right before we came on the show or talking about was the next steps for this platform war so if you've got such broad industry support for open xr I think it moves the goalposts on where the the competition is going to be in the next steps and there's a growing list of games that are completely cross-platform compatible right now. And I'm adoring these games because there's enough people in VR right now that I can realistically get 
a game going with a friend or contact out there pretty easily because they've got a Steam VR based headset and I've got a Quest. And both of us are near enough to our devices that we can go launch the systems and get into VR. So you've got games like Walkabout Mini Golf, Demio, even Beat Saber, Facebook's Beat mm-hmm. Saber from Beat Games is crossplay compatible where you can just share a code or a room name to get into the same game across these multiple devices. And I think standardizing around OpenXR moves the competition to this layer, where very soon in the future, I think it becomes uh, very compelling for Facebook to start pushing more multiplayer services to uh, more developers in a very robust way. And, And one day, perhaps, Facebook login becomes a compelling feature that they're going to try to get more developers to support, whereas that's that's not the case right now. Right now, I can go and get a game of Walkabout Mini Golf. I can play 18 holes of mini golf with a friend who has a Steam VR headset from a Quest, and Facebook login is not required on the other end of the spectrum. So if you're a devel- if you're a person out there who hates Facebook, and doesn't want to touch Facebook devices, you can still play Walkabout Mini Golf and play Mini Golf with a friend who doesn't have that problem and play together. And that's a hugely, that's a big thing in my mind for the, the future of this platform and getting people into VR and enjoying these games. And I think that over the next few years, this that the battle is going to be in exactly what SDKs and tools and how people actually get online in these multiplayer games. And the, the standardization around OpenXR moves the competition over to that multiplayer. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. As you say, while Facebook is moving its support for the core API that apps are built with to OpenXR, there still will exist this proprietary Oculus platform SDK which kind of sits above that and is used for things like party, things like the rich presence thing where you can load up your quest and you'll see the popular destinations that your friends are in and you can join directly into their session. So you do see this war between is how well will Facebook be able to entice developers to use these specific Oculus platform services that make it easier for friends to meet up and play VR together? Versus developers prefer to stick with friend codes because there are advantages and disadvantages to both. With codes, you have to communicate the code to everyone, make sure they enter it correctly. Usually they're going to read it outside of VR and then come into VR and have to enter that. And there's a friction there. Whereas if you look at Facebook's recent update to the Oculus smartphone app, actually it's just about to launch in a few weeks, they said, you'll be able to invite people directly into a game. They will see a notification on their app they can tap that, their headset will load up not just the game, but the specific s- session you're in, and you just put the headset on, you're in with your friend. But as Ian points out, there's a kind of platform lock-in issue there where any developer that supports that, when they do go to port to a future standalone headset, or even if they want to ship on Steam VR if they weren't before, and have cross-platform play, they're going to have to build something separate to that or use a different system perhaps Epic's login. So there, there is still this kind of multiplayer fragmentation and proprietary nature that is going to make competition a little more difficult than the OpenXR situation suggests. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple of months, upwards to a year, <laughs> to see how all of this pans out. And I'm sure that we will, as uh, new things develop on this topic, we will definitely have many more lively discussions about it. Yeah. So what a, what a great reason, since you, since you love us talking about this topic and other topics so much, what a great reason to hit subscribe and join and the bell and the like and the, all these things that you see on the bottom of the YouTube page. Now, uh, if you're listening to this uh, on the podcast, also come check it out on YouTube someday. You'd really love all of the animation and stuff and all of the great graphics that we put up on Stevie the TV. Uh, we still have yet to name our pads and I refuse to call them Chad Pads because that sounds like something else. Padrick? I think I saw Pad- Padrick. Or, or I did Padrick. see Padrick, yeah. But then I just want to call it Patty. That's fine. That's great. I love that. Should we just call it Patty? Patty. P-A-D-Y? Patty. Patty. Patty works, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine that. Oh, I love it. Patty they are. Okay, P-A-D-Y. I love it. So anyway, yes, check out uh, our YouTube channel and our podcasts and all the stuff that I say at the end of every episode. Uh, also, Ian, do we have anything fun and exciting happening on UploadVR.com this week that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, we've got new things coming out all the time. We've got an updated list of our best games to play in VR. We're constantly updating those lists to make sure that New people and old people alike get a guide to the latest things that are coming out. Facebook is hitting the gas pedal on announcing new titles and uh, new updates coming to its platform. And we're in that period of uh, swan song for the original PSVR platform. So there's new things coming out for PlayStation all the time. And we're trying to keep up with all the new releases. And uh, it's coming pretty quickly. We've got news about delays as devs really try to get their stuff ready for the biggest possible audience, which is going to hit at the end of this year with uh, lots of people getting into VR for the first time. Now, wouldn't you say, Ian, that if you have a friend or a colleague or somebody who is looking for information on how to get into VR, that they would find a lot of benefit on clicking that new to VR at the top of uploadvr.com? Yep. We've got a section of the site. You can go right to the new to VR section and uh, copy that link, hand it out to a friend. And we've got a lot of really great resources built in that area to get you ready into VR and spending your first dollar smartly and not getting a a bad first game. And I'd also like to point out to those of you Roku uh, customers out there, if you have a Roku device either attached to your TV or embedded into the back of it, whatever, go search for Upload, the channel, because we are playing around with a Roku channel. Upload, it comes from our YouTube. You can watch it from the comfort of your couch, 10 feet away from your TV. And uh, it's not all there yet, but we are working on that with the Roku folks. So check it out. Give us some feedback on that. I'm really curious if uh, anybody finds that to be a good addition to our repertoire here. Heaney, do you have any final words of wisdom? No, just as usual. Thanks for everyone who commented. We really appreciate the people who join in and there's some really insightful stuff. We'll, we try to reply to as much of it as possible and I hope I see you here next week. Yep, absolutely. And my battery is down to 22%. So with that, I will say thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you in the future.